Thundar, the Barbarian. The year 1994. From out of space comes a runaway planet, hurtling between the Earth and the Moon, unleashing cosmic destruction. Man's civilization is cast in ruin. 2,000 years later, Earth is reborn. A strange new world rises from the old, a world of savagery. But one man bursts his bonds to fight for justice. He is Thundar, the Barbarian. And here we go. We would be honored if you would join us. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. I know this is hard for you, but winter is coming. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am the danger. Avengers! Assemble. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Who is scruffy looking? Less. I wanna buckle up, baby. Smash you. Hey guys, you ever seen that really old movie, Empire Strikes Back? They got your weakened geek covered. And you? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number one, nope, 240 of The Sith List. I'm your host, Arajit Dolichai, and my co-pilots this evening, the young, the restless, the bearded one, Mr. Carlos. The man we call Crunch Crunch, Mr. Les. What's up? Gonzalez. Not Gonzalez, people. Gonzalez. The man everybody calls King Tom. I don't know. Except Luke Cruiser. Luke Cruiser doesn't call you King Tom. That's right. I've noticed that. I'm, I'm upset. I'm, you know, I'm supposed to record something with him tomorrow. I should just no show. Oof. That so would be I very, would uh, very regal of you. That would be. That would be. You would. How you doing? But I, you know what? I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'll, I'll show up. Great, great. The man that I call El Hombre, and I, I've thought about this recently. That how I was like foreshadowing the El Hombre thing because he's so deep into Red Dead. He is the El Hombre. You can't say that. Why? You can't say he is the the man. <laughs> oh, it's L is the. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- well, you're right. Your, the, Spang- the, w- you, your Spanglish is all jacked right now. Bro. Damn it. <laughs> the the was a good band though. Um, in, in the night. <laughs> oh, there's a band called the the. Yes. Yeah. There's a band called the the. See L L. Eric, how you doing, buddy? L L Cool J. <laughs> no. I'm great, man. I, I am great. And <laughs> speaking of band, my band had a gig this past weekend. And uh, guess what? Apparently, COVID's cured, man. There's just, there's just no more of it. Um, people couldn't wait to get out there. They're like, we don't need no masks up in y'all. And um, was it in Texas? No. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I guess the anyway. Um, you know, there was a there was a band speaking of the the, the which is is a great name. There was a band in a local band here, uh, St. Louis area that they were, I don't think they ever did originals, but they were called just Mr. Mm. Which is a brilliant title. <laughs> that man. is just Mr. There was yeah. a Mr. Mr. Yeah. That? Well, that's, that's the whole yeah. gag. Yeah. Ace job seeing right through it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I played guitar and made some money all at the same time. Yeah. That is awesome. There's also a band named talk talk, right? 
Yeah. Didn't they do the song called Talk Talk? I don't know. All you want to do is talk, 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 talk. Now I have to look for the soundbite. But I don't know if they were talk, talk. <laughs> so you do it to yourself. I do it to myself. You get mad at us or anything like that. You're the one who does it. Yeah, you're right. Well, I'm glad you're back on the, the gig market, but I am not glad that it was a, a super spreader. <laughs> Hopefully that you're you know, doing well and healthy. and So far, so good, man. Still haven't been able to get my vaccine, though, dude. It's, it, they're only... They're not deep enough in. I'm not uh, at risk enough, I guess. Yeah, I got mine last week and side effects were minimal. I mean, I just came home about two hours after and I passed out. I was just, I couldn't keep my eyes open. I even drank a ton of coffee. Didn't matter. Felt like there were dumbbells on my eyelids. Like I was done. And then at midnight, I couldn't lift my left arm where they gave me the shot. It was so painful. I couldn't lift it past my shoulders. And then I woke up, it was fine. Really weird. And I grew a tail. So I have a tail growing out of my ass. But other than that, everything's been great. Um, but I, I'm, I'm lucky and I'm fortunate I was able to get it. Can't wait for everybody else to get it so we can resume life. Party on. Party on. King Tom, how you doing? You said you were in a good mood? Yeah, I'm in a good mood. Ready? Uh, it's very rare. It is. It's Wednesday, the weather's nice. Life is moving along. I was talking to King Tom. And he's like, it's like 60 degrees. I'm on a walk. Weather's beautiful. I said 60 degrees here. It's freezing balls, man. Uh, it's like really cold. Oh, man. We still have like small patches of snow and stuff. Oh, geez. Louise. Les, how you doing? You're muted. You're muted. <laughs> <laughs> That's great for podcasting, Les. Thumbs up. Les better, gave me a thumbs, thumbs up for podcasting. Up, dude. I'm hanging in there. Yes. Uh, muted is best. Mute is best for this entire podcast. Yeah, really. Boo, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing good. Everything's fine. Yeah, everything's coming up. Strathers. Okay. Well, then everything's coming up. Strathers. Let's start this. <laughs> Check us out on thesithless.net, where you can watch all kinds of cool YouTube videos, videos, breakdowns of the Mandalorian, WandaVision, reaction videos, all kinds of stuff. There's even some trailer trash stuff on there. Check us out on YouTube. The Sith List, and you can listen to all of our episodes and check out our Pot of Four page with great podcasts all over the place. We'd really appreciate you guys going to the T Public website and check out the Sith List. We got all kinds of cool stuff by our man Chris Hall. He is an amazing artist and he's done some amazing work for us. So check that out. Email us, the Sith List at gmail.com. And uh, I think that's about it with the shenanigans. Box Office Raya and the Last Dragon. Not a sequel to The Last Dragon Boo. So you can go see this one as quick oh, as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait for this one. $8.5 million. Tom and Jerry, 6.6. .6. So Tom and Jerry's made about $21 million so far in two weeks. Chaos Walking, $3.8 million. Boogie, $1.2 million. And The Crude's New Age, $780,000. So Raya and the Last Dragon debuted at number one North American box office over the weekend, taking in 8.6, like I said, or 8.5. As New York Theater's finally reopen their doors for business for the first time in nearly a year. Now, this was also out on Disney Plus. So I know last week we said Tom and Jerry made 14 million, but this Raya was also on Disney Plus and you had the option to buy it. So I wonder what the actual take is on this if it comes near Tom and Jerry. And I know Kelly Marie Tran is the lead on this, correct? Yes. Yes, and she's also in The Crudes. So she's in the two of the top 5 movies. So fuck you trolls. She's doing her thing. And she's doing it well. 
Well, you know what you. the trolls just said? Yeah, she had to do voice work because she can't stand looking at her. And she said, cha-ching. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to tell you, she is cute as the day is long. Yes, she is. She really person. is. She really is. Cha-ching. So, so good, good, for, good for her. Uh, things we watch. Guys, what did you guys watch? Anything good? Oh, man. I wrapped up the uh, series finale of Shit's Creek. Oh, and don't tell me anything because I'm watching it slowly. I, I will tell you one thing. It's incredibly well done. Ugh, so the good. the series, the entire series is incredibly well done. And there's just something about seeing a lot of really decent character growth. And um, I've never had a show where I was so in love with every character. Mm hmm. Like every single one of them, there wasn't a turd among them that I, it's like, God, I wish they were off of here. Right. And they were smart, man. They went out completely on top. They told the story they needed to tell and they exited gracefully and it was super. And like, I, I, this sounds dramatic, but man, I like went out of my way to thank my wife for turning me onto that show. That's really cool. Did because you watch it, the round table? That not they had? yet. That's, okay. that's next. Man. Okay. It's, but it's interesting that you said they went out on top. We wouldn't. The interesting thing is that it Netflix, you should thank Netflix for opening the door because nobody really knew about Shit's Creek. Mm -hmm. um, majority of the public out there because it was a Canadian show. People knew about it here and there. It was on pop. It wasn't, it wasn't on a big channel or network. And I think they wrapped up the same year Netflix started showing them. So I wonder, with the success that they had, would they have continued if that wasn't the case? But yeah, that's a good question, man. I, I think that that's just a great example of how, I don't want to say being in the right place at the right time, because I feel like the show had so much merit on its own. Mm -hmm. But that is when, that is like a streaming success story. Yes. And uh, just kudos to to everybody involved, and you know, good on Netflix, man. Yeah, good absolutely. on them for for like making a difference. That that's a show that honestly, and I don't say this about a lot of shows, man. So it's not like, oh, here's Strathers again for the hundredth millionth time talking about this. This is one of those things that is people just need to see it. And it's a show that, quite frankly, in my book, is like good for society as a whole. When you want to see what uh, acceptance really does to people, because it's so realistic. The mm -hmm. way it was done is it's very realistic and very heartwarming, and uh, it, it's it's something that people should just watch. The I hundred percent agree, and it deserves all the. All the awards and accolades it's getting. It's it's phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, yeah, absolutely watch it. I got to watch, Lorraine and I watched Coming to America, the sequel. Mm -hmm. Did you watch so, it too? Yeah, my wife and I watched it. Okay, great. I want your take. King Tom, you, you give me your take on it. I thought it was good. I wasn't expecting something to blow me away. I You know, I, I knew it wouldn't be a, as funny as the first was. You know, nothing could could be like that i i enjoyed it um there were there were i didn't know which way the plot was going to go i, I don't know how much we want to give away yeah I, yeah i here. won't give away much yeah um 
there were a few questions like just watching him like where is this going to go where is this going to go and, and yeah. i was i was happy with the way it ended up um i would have i i thought there would have been a little bit more time in new york it yes. was pretty much all in zamunda it's all in zamunda yeah yeah but a lot of characters and cameos although i i was disappointed that samuel jackson was not in it yes yes i yeah i thought he was going to show up yeah. yeah, that kind of sucked. But I have the same exact take as you. I wasn't going in there expecting much because right. you, you can't replicate that. You just can't do it. Um, and But I did love the fact that it was a nostalgia trip. And I yeah. did love that they had every little joke that they did. They kind of brought it back. And I mm -hmm. thought that was very, very cool. It's fan servicey to the utmost. But if you're going in thinking about how it's going to be, you're going to really enjoy it. The story was all over the place. It was cheesy, but there ha there was a nice message to it, yeah. and it was done decent. If you're a fan of the first one, you could absolutely watch this one. And that's how my take is. And very cool little cameos, like you said. Yeah, cameos from people that weren't even in the first movie that mm -hmm. you're going to be like surprised. Uh, it's very cool. And, and watch the outtakes at the end. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman has some, some pretty good ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. So check it out if you're a Coming to America fan. Uh, other than that, I don't think I watched anything else. Uh, Les Boo, I, I watched the I rewatched Coming to America, so that was funny. Oh, cool, cool. That was great. Showed it to Brittany. Uh, what is it? Uh, seeing it another time and seeing it with somebody else, I could see how somebody might not like it as much as I do. Yeah, but she still found it funny, but not as funny as I do. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I was like, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Seeing it again, I was like, yeah. I I get you, but yeah, but it is it is a funny movie. Now, did, it is good. I know Brittany has a spotty history with with movies. Have you <laughs> and or her seen Trading Places? I've seen it. She has. Yeah, Lorena hadn't seen it, so yeah. th there's a reference in it. Yeah, yeah, in this one because mm. oh, the, yeah, oh, okay. the link in the the original. Right, right. Uh, yeah, Les had to remind me that there was a link in the original. I totally forgot about that uh, in Queens in the first one. <laughs> But yeah, well, we could talk about that because that's from the first one. So the two, the two homeless people mm -hmm. are, oh, that's right. That's them. That's them. Fuck. That's right. I was, <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, why are they giving them so much camera time? <laughs> right. Right. Like, they right. actually have lines. I was yeah. like, what? Oh, that's. And the, and the barbershop scenes were still great, man. Oh, and Arsenio was fantastic in it again. Yeah. He's awesome. You got to see Wesley Snipes in a kilt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, and just doing some cool pimp ass walking and strides. Oh, yeah. Really Hopefully, cool. he's paying his taxes. I hope he's paying his taxes. <laughs> Let's get into some Star Wars stuff, guys. I'm going to have to talk to Kylo because I don't think there's a lot of stuff. So, Kylo, bring some stuff out for us. It's time for Eric's Star Wars report. Well, it turns out there is some stuff. Great. Yeah. See, he already did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the magic. <laughs> Quick. It's magic. It's the force. The dark side that. of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. You read that in the dictionary, didn't you? Well done. <laughs> well done. Wikipedia <laughs> just went off right now. <laughs> that's a that's a little bad motivators reference there. Uh, you know, I have not I've not heard this this week's episode yet. So. Oh, darn it. I'm I, I should have known because you would have brought this up. <laughs> 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 I'll just leave it. I'll leave you okay. to it. Uh, so, okay, real quick, let's, I'll say one thing and then we'll loop back around to this other thing. 
<laughs> Disney investors call. All right. Your, your typical questions pop up. They uh, said they're wanting to do like 100 new shows, which that that's killer. But specifically asked about Kathleen Kennedy. And they said that they are thrilled with her performance. And they look forward to her input for years to come. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So what are we going to do? Some some like right wing group put out a news release saying that they had people jamming the lines just to ask that one question. And if you do something, a major stunt, and you fall flat on your face. Why bring attention to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're stupid. Mm-hmm. I that. Yeah, I, I find that question. But there were some other questions they asked too about some stuff that nobody cares about. And uh, but yeah, that was the big news, man, is that Kathleen Kennedy rules and everybody else drools. So, hey, at the end of the day, the Mandalorian and that success of that show, it's is her give her credit for it. I know Favreau and Filoni were the the brain trust, but their boss is Kathleen Kennedy. One thing that gets me and I I mean, I don't want to spend the whole show talking about like the politics of Star Wars fandom because it's ludicrous, but it's, (laughs) it's one of those trying to have your cake and eat it too the i hate the sequel trilogy and it sucked and screw rose and screw mary sue ray and screw all this stuff that damn kathleen kennedy ruined this thing are the same people who are saying good thing that favreau and filoni didn't let kathleen kennedy get in their way they're the one who saved star wars and i'm like i don't think you understand how businesses work (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't know if you know how this rolls but i just i just find that whole thing but she was only in one episode of uh, you know the gallery making of the mandalorian and i was like uh it's because she was too busy kicking ass and taking names and making other stuff happen we're lucky she was in one yeah i just i find that bizarre that you you want to mix and match your your opinions on what she's doing in the company but whatevs man whatevs it's fine it is what it is but anyway that's that's cool news what i was gonna say before and then loop back to is this that you know we had heard rumors that there was this this uh scene with a t- torture scene kylo ren torturing chewbacca for the rise of skywalker and we'd seen uh the art of book had some some concept art for it well I like uh that. yeah so uh yona suetamo who is plays chewbacca in the sequel trilogy and in Han Solo, he is writing a book or has written a book, but I don't believe it's out yet. Uh, I could be wrong. King Tom would be the guy to ask on that. If only we he's already read it. Here. No, I, I don't think there's an English translation yet. I think it's out, but that's in Wookie. It's in Sheer yes. Wook. Shri, Shri Wook. Yeah. So good job, King Tom. I appreciate the joke, man. That was good. Uh, anyway, he talks about that nerd soundbite right in there, right there. That's <laughs> he talks about that scene and said it was indeed filmed. And that Adam Driver, it was, quote, a sociopath (laughs) in the scene, that it was like just too much. And he, you know, that it was obviously they didn't end up using it. And he didn't know if it was just because of runtime or it just didn't fit with the tone they were trying to set. But I got to tell you, man, I'm glad that didn't make it in there. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing I, Chewbacca is a person, but also he's got that whole, I'm 
I am a, an animal and I need people to take care of me mm-hmm. kind of thing loyal going best for him. Yeah. And, and that's why like people will just lose their minds when they see a story about an animal being abused, but pass over the same, you know, a similar story where it's a person. Yeah. And if that had happened in the movie and the child of this, this person's best friend was torturing him, Killed Han Solo, now you're torturing Chewbacca. <laughs> I really don't see how him being redeemed at the end was going to work out. That's exactly it. I he can, think he can destroy planets the second he touches Chewie, I'm out. Right. Well, <laughs> seriously, I do think that that would have been a tough pill to mm-hmm. swallow. And I'm, and I, plus, that's just not something I'd want to see. I don't know mm-hmm. how it would feel watching that go down where. You know, it's one thing in in Empire Strikes Back where you hear him being upset, and you you know they make a, allusions to like what sort of pain is active actively being inflicted upon the characters. But to like see it for reals, I ooh, dude, that just grosses me out. I'm man. so surprised that they even filmed it. I, I'm surprised that it was even in the story. They went forward with filming it because you're right. That means the ending. You can't have that same ending. Right. That's yeah. So interesting. Unless it was like <laughs> he tortured him by saying, Have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> Chapter one. Chapter one. Hard bark. Uh, anyway, but yeah, that's, I'm so glad that wasn't in there, man. It's, <laughs> I think we, I don't want to say dodged a bullet, but yeah, that just no good could have come in that. Yeah. But, I agree. So, here's the thing, man, when it comes to, like, live action TV is the big deal right now with, between the Mandalorian and now the Marvel stuff that we've seen and that is coming, hooray, Aaron Kellyman being in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. The, there's a rumor, and, and shame on me, I cannot remember who said this. But it, it's that Kenobi will appear in the Cassie and Andor show. Now, me personally, I mean, they'll do it and they'll make it work and it'll be awesome. And I love Ewan McGregor and I'm excited to see him, you know, reprising the role of Obi-Wan. But again, it comes back to, you know, they've already talked about how there's going to be a the rematch of the century with and uh, Darth Vader and Kenobi. It's like... He, Ooh, tread lightly man we've got this whole body of work that implies something else happened during that time so that makes me a little bit nervous i don't know how to feel about it but what but what about you guys are you are you real keen to see kenobi just gallivanting all over the place and <laughs> popping up here and there when it, it my understanding is that he was sent to Tatooine to stay there with Luke and reflect on how things ended up where they were and, and all those things. But what do you guys think? I have no problems with Kenobi. You're talking about for the Kenobi show and obviously not the Andor show. Well, either one. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind him showing up to Andor only if it sets up what we're going to see for Kenobi. I don't want him in there a lot. If he's in there at the very end and it sets that whole storyline up, I'm, I'm fine with it. In in regards to Kenobi in itself, I'm okay with Ewan McGregor doing whatever the hell he wants to do <laughs> with Kenobi. If he wants to go back to Mustafar and start some shit, I'm fine with it. If he wants to go back to the diner and have a fucking shake and a hamburger, I'm fine with it. What flavor uh, shake? Uh, 
Strawberry. Yeah, strawberry. You probably. think strawberry, bacon, or no bacon on his burger? Oh, bacon. Bacon. Absolutely. Even bacon on the side, man. Oh. Oh, yeah. Cheese or no cheese on, on his burger? Oh, come on. Cheese, dude. Cheese, cheese man. Cool. He's cool. I don't know. We don't know. Who, we don't know what he wants. Well, if he's having a burger, series. he's having a burger. He Boo. might be lactose. We don't know. Boo, he's know, having the, the same type of burger you would have. Yeah, I hope How about so. you just... Uh, there you go. Yeah, there you that'd go. be nice. That, bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> have we ever seen a bathroom in Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> in Rebels. In, in Star Rebels. Wars Rebels, we did, Rebels. yeah. Well, and also on the Mandalorian ship. You see the... Oh, yeah. The vac tube sitting there. Oh, yeah. Okay, good call. Okay, great. We just never seen anybody do like drop a deuce. Uh, like say, hey, I'm going to go drop a deuce. No, but we have seen somebody, you know, peeing in mm. Rebels in the, uh, what is it, the, ref- the refresher. Yeah, Wedge. Wedge was peeing. While a droid voiced, <laughs> voiced by Steven Stanton was there <laughs> over his shoulder, like annoying him the whole time, trying to talk to him while he's <laughs> got his wang out. Mm. But yeah, good times. <laughs> I'm just happy you said wang. Yeah. His little pigs. Oh, that's good. That's really good. His little wop rat. Nailed it. Porkins. Porkins. Uh, King Tom is in a good mood. He's making yeah, I know, right? Star Wars yeah, dad yeah. jokes. I love Damn. it. Yeah. <laughs> King well, Tom, what do you think about this? Do you, do you care that Obi-Wan's going to go all over the place? And uh, I want him staying on Tatooine as much as possible. I'm kind of hoping the Andor thing is like he's up on a video wall somewhere. Maybe uh, Jimmy Smits is in the show after oh, all, and he explains to Mon Mothma about the, the Jedi. His Jedi friend that she, that's Smith. what she refers to him as. Do we, do we yeah. know Jimmy, is Jimmy Smith going to be in Andor? He's got to be. Oh, that would be rad. We do not, we do not know if he is or not. Damn it. Yeah, there's been no denial and no confirmation. Okay. I mean, I get that he should stay on Tatooine. I, if he does appear, I agree with King Tom. It should be more, you know, either a hologram or some type of, you know, just video message of some type and that's it. But yeah, he shouldn't really be, like Eric said, gallivanting around. He should probably stay on Tatooine. I just had enough of Tatooine, dude. <laughs> that's I get it. I get it. I mean, it'd be cool, though. Yeah, it'd be great if he showed up and kicked some ass in Andor. I don't mind, like, an episode, you know, two episodes, in, yeah, or even three episodes in Tatooine. But we only have six episodes, and six episodes inside the same planet. I don't know, man. But, but and the reason I say that I have concerns about it is just everything that they set up and have said about his life. It, it, because, look, I know that you want to leave room for story and you, at some point you've got to be willing to accept some, I don't know, elasticity in the boundaries that were previously set. Right. Yes. But you also run the risk of taking the very thing that started all this. And when gone am I the last of the Jedi, will you be, uh, when it gets to the point where people were saying, your Jedi, your Jedi friend, and oh, I would trust her with my life. Oh, he's talking about Ahsoka in in uh, uh, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. No, he's talking about Kenobi, and he's talking about his daughter. Have yes. you seen A New Hope? That's, That's exactly who he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, but but you do run the risk of undoing or not undoing, but lessening the gravity of some of these moments 
Yeah, I agree with you. But I think at this point, I think they don't care. I, I don't think Lucasfilm cares about ruining the original trilogy anymore because there's so many fans now that consider those three movies not their Star Wars. And then the future of the Star Wars is going to be those three aren't going to be their Star Wars for the future, the future of a fan base, which I, I don't think that they think it's that big of a deal to stretch out the storyline. And I totally, I totally understand what you're saying, Eric. I agree with you. They, but it seems like they've been kind of jabbing at this here and there lately, kind of stretching things out. Well, it, you know, they're doing it so that they have more stories to tell. Yeah, right. But, mm -hmm. but then again, they're, they're like hellbent on staying inside this time period that everybody loves. So you can't say that that, that makes all that everybody's Star Wars. And I mean, I'm not like, that's not like holy ground, don't do it. But for a company that they're so bent on everything being canon, video game storylines, mm -hmm. canon, mm -hmm. every novel, canon, 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 canon. Right. Well, what about the existing canon? It's it, like, there's room to tell stories in all kinds of places. You're choosing to tell this story here because of how much this time period is pivotal to the entire saga, right? Well, you, if it's pivotal, then you got to regard what has been set up already. I agree with you guys. I think in Andor, I don't think he should show up in person. But as far as Kenobi, the his show, if he is forced to leave or if he's, you know, like I, I've, I've always wanted a kind of like him against a bounty hunter or a group of bounty hunters thing where they come there. He has to take them away or he's forced to take action elsewhere or something like that just to quiet down where he is or or something like that where somebody sees him and he goes, ah, oh, shit, I need I, that person recognizes me. I need to handle this. If it's something like that and he has to leave, I'm fine with that. But yeah, I, I don't think he should. He should be, you know, trotting the uh, the galaxy that much. No, not at all. Well, I think what that's what the storyline is going to be. I think you're going to have a bunch of bounty hunters going after him. And yeah. He's I would I, I would almost like a like a Kill Bill esque thing where instead of Uma Thurman hunting them down, they're hunting him down. That's exactly what it's going to be. Oh, that'd be great. Well, I mean, that's the theory yeah. that I've yeah. heard out there. And Quentin Tarantino directing and all that. I would love that. You know, and great music. <laughs> now, what if what if they have like uh, Yoda come in to babysit while Kenobi's off? Oh, that would, that's a great babysitter. That's, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. That'd be something else. But. What if Obi-Wan has baby Yoda as playmate for little Luke? Oh my gosh. That'd be and the Luke, cutest thing in the world. Luke doesn't even know it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's why I don't think that would happen. He would mm -hmm. have suspected that Yoda was indeed the Jedi Master Yoda when he met him in Empire. Oh. Very true. Yeah. Quick on your feet there. Well, you know, I gotta be good at something. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so I'm still trying to work on uh, Into the Dark, mm -hmm. the High Republic novel. And uh, it's really good. I just haven't dedicated a lot of time to it because I've been too busy, you know, rounding up bounties and shooting fools. But uh, a new Alphabet Squadron book came out, uh, Volume C. Mm -hmm. So that's an alphabet joke, by the way, for anybody who doesn't get where I'm going with it. I don't like alphabet jokes. As everybody used to call me Alphabet Soup. That's my last name. Don't blame the alphabet. Anyway, uh, King Tom, how many times have you read it so far? I've only read it once so far. Hmm. How That's, is it? it? It was a good ending to a 
a, a series that there were differing opinions about. Um, I know it's it's not everyone's thing, this type of book, because it's, it's all new characters. I mean, Hera is there. Um, she wasn't in the second book as much. She's in the first, and she was really in the third, which was nice. Oh, that's um, cool. But other than that, it's all new characters, and they all fly different types of ships, and these are new places. So it gets a li- and Alexander Freed, the author, his writing style is not for everyone. So I know a lot of people tried reading the first or read the first, weren't into it, and checked out, which I get. But I really liked the way they ended the series. Um, you know, the the book wasn't perfect, but it was it was some good action, and it the the events of this series take place in the year after Return of the Jedi. So the big climax here is the Battle of Jakku. Oh, which we already really? saw in you know we we know it's the battle that ended the Galactic Civil War. We mm-hmm. already saw you know the the main part of it in the final Chuck Wendig aftermath novel, but we get another side of it here. Cool, cool, nice. man. And, and a, there is a lot of action from Hera. She's she's a huge part of it. She was kind of written off in the last part and. The reason she was written off for the second novel was because she was a character in the Squadron's video game, and that took place at the same time as this. Right. Here, she is very active, and part of me was thinking, I wonder if you know, this means something for the Rangers, Rangers of the New Republic series. I, I think doubt, so. I doubt they had him write more of her because they knew all this was going on, but I think this sets that up. Nicely, I think that's going to be a thing. I think that she was already going to be in Rangers, yeah, but just not that predominant. Now, right. she's yeah, she's going to take over. She's right, super cool. That's cool, man. And speaking of of Chuck Wendig's aftermath novels, it, you know, the there was mixed reviews on the first one, and I think it may have stopped people from continuing on in the series. Yeah, but once I got into it and got used to his writing style, that is a damn good trilogy of books. It is, and that it is, last is. one is excellent. It's really good. I, I th- yeah, I think that his writing style was different, but also they marketed that book as the lead up to the sequel trilogy. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was an excellent book. It told a, an important story after Return of the Jedi, but it had nothing to do with the sequel trilogy. The, Claudia, the first Claudia Gray Star Wars book, Lost Stars, came out, I think, either the same day or it came out very close. That should have been the book with the marketing because... It re, you know it it was an original story that at the same time told the events of the original trilogy through a different light, but it also set up the sequel trilogy yeah, much so more good. than Wendig's book. So good, that's my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think a lot of people were upset with the Wendig book, Wendig book because of the marketing. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. If you take it for what it actually is, yeah, it's, it's great. But you're right. I thought it was going to be. Uh, like I think a lot of people had the idea that it was going to be all about Luke Skywalker, right? G- getting you know doing whatever he does to end up where he is in the Force Awakens, but yeah, no, but it's... yeah, that's not it at all. The characters in it are really compelling. You know, Lost Stars though we we always come back to that book, and I think it is pretty widely regarded as one of the best new canon novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the whole throw Mama from the train aspect of it where two people take a conversation and get completely different things out of it. Yeah. Yep. Is very well done and so like real. Mm-hmm. So true to life. 
and uh yeah, i would love anyway. to see that in live action eric that could be cool but like i'm so enamored with the book i wouldn't want anything to take away like to how what i feel like the characters look like and sound like oh they yeah, did yeah. A, um a manga adaptation of it oh they really it, and it came out it, it was translated and it was a three volumes and i think the, the final part came out last it's it's very it's it's very well done the art is beautiful but you have the whole because you're reading it backwards yeah uh it, it and my, my kids like it okay because i was my son was looking at it and so i started reading him the book itself and he he i mean he's he was seven when we started and he loved it oh cool i you know, understood it all does it show him doing it <laughs> the, uh it has it it has a steamy shower scene or two well speaking of doing it the into the dark brings up sex quite a few uh, often yeah a bunch of it times. does it does no those high republic jedi they yeah the, yeah they're uh they're horny those little it's banging around they work their lightsabers oh oh hey yo so is into the dark like a butt joke oh that's funny. Into the chocolate starfish. Oh, no. And we've lost everyone. Well, guys, we can say whatever we want now because nobody's <laughs> listening. <laughs> anyway, I don't have anything else, man. Thanks for indulging me in all this. No, that's a, more than I thought we were going to have. Thank that's you for said. that. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into some pop culture reboots and remakes. So, yeah, Eric kind of touched on this earlier. Disney is going to do 100 new shows. That's their goal. And they got 100 million subscribers. With the quick math that I did, and I sent this over to King Tom just to prove my work here, they're making close to $6 billion a year if, on average, you're getting $5 per person, which is pretty crazy. Six- and I think it was 100 new shows a year. A year? Not like, I think that's what he said. 100 new shows a year? I think yeah. you might be right, man. Holy yeah, I don't think crap. it was like 100 shows over the next 10 years or anything. Oh, was- shit. Well, that will kind of, you're right. That kind of makes sense. It's only like 10 new shows a year. Wow. hundred new shows a year. That's insane. Well, Maybe they're, they're counting the like little Mickey Mouse most shorts that are six minutes long. Most likely. Hey, I'd still take those. Hey. <laughs> so that's, that's a crazy thing. Um, and for all you Lost fans, Josh Holloway, who played Sawyer, and J.J. Abrams are teaming up once more to make some epic television magic. This comes from uh, Deadline, I believe. Um, I'm sorry, this comes from Variety. They announced that Holloway has signed on to star in Abrams and Latoya Morgan's HBO series, Duster. Duster is set in the 70s, Southwest. The series focuses on the life of a gusty getaway driver for a growing crime syndicate whose life goes from awful to wildly stupid, dangerously awful. From off, from awful to wildly, stupidly, dangerously awful. That's the quote. Not much more. Much not much else is known about the role. From the vague details, it sounds like it's similar to the kind of character that Holloway played for the many years on Lost. So, if you're a big Sawyer fan, you're a big Abrams fan, you're a big HBO fan, you're probably happy about this. Okay, is is he got, dusty oh, or gutsy? It's dusty. I'm sorry, Duster, Duster. No, but is he a gutsy getaway driver? Gutsy. What did I say? Gusty. Uh, it's okay, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, seriously, it's okay, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you're, Th- you're doing all the reading. It's, it's not easy. Yeah, thanks for saying that after you just said what you just said. That really <laughs> no, I'm being it, honest. It, like, it makes it more sincere or less. I appreciate uh, that. 
Thanks for doing show notes too. Abrams. I, I, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I found the, the quote. It's from, um, from Gusty. No, from the Disney <laughs> plus thing. Oh, go ahead. Okay. So Brandon Katz of the observer was live tweeting, um, the conference call. And according to him, like you said, Disney plus has officially surpassed 100 million worldwide subscribers leading Disney to increase its investment into the streamer. They're setting a goal of 100 new series per year. Oh my Bob, God. Sweet Bob Chapek said direct consumer business is this company's top priority. Wow. Well, that's their biggest moneymaker right now. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's crazy. And by the way, Disneyland is set to open at the end of April for California residents. So if you live down here, um, it's exciting news, I guess. Nee, 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 nee. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. We're, not, we're, not, we're not going. I'm kidding. Yeah. They cut off my damn annual pass. Some more stuff from Abrams, by the way. The Shining. I think Les would, I think, would, uh, is going to be excited about this. They're getting a Overlook series spinoff. And J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot is behind it. This is kind of crazy. Overlook hmm. is described as a horror thriller series inspired by the fe featuring iconic characters from Stephen King's masterpiece, The Shining. This was also by out of from Variety. The Overlook will explore the untold, terrifying stories of most of the most famous haunted hotel in American fiction. And Abrams is going to help the haunted mansion. No, not the haunted mansion. Mm -hmm. Abrams is going to help write this as well. So nothing from Stephen King, evidently, I guess. But they're going to take some of the characters that we see. And they're going to make this crazy history. I'm down for it, man. If it's HBO and it's Bad Robot and it's The Shining as the background, it's all good with me. What do you think about this, Les? I think that's great, um, especially if they use the actual ghosts and like maybe go into their backstories. I think that's episode. exactly what they're going to do. That would be perfect. Maybe we'll see all those situations unfold. You know? Or maybe we get to see the first caretaker Yeah, in right, his right. family. Right, and his shining going down, dude. That's well, pretty cool, man. Technically, it's not his shining. No, I guess it's not. And by the way, again, Doctor Sleep. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's really good, man. It's really good. Guys, Avatar is heading back to the movie theaters. Who cares? Thank goodness. Yes, I thought you guys would be all excited, except for you know who's not excited? Marvel and Avengers, because they don't give a fuck. This son of a bitch is trying to make, outdo them. Is what he's doing. Oh, he's trying to re-release to get some more money? Yep. $7.4 million <laughs> is the threshold. He hits it. He, it becomes the biggest film in oh, history. Oh, yikes. But it's only being released in the Chinese market. So if you're in China and you're a big Avatar fan, you should be pretty happy. Now, lastly, on this pop culture little breakdown, I wanted to talk about this. Elizabeth Banks to direct Cocaine Bear. A movie about a bear that does an enormous amount of cocaine. Yes. Now, when you, I first read this on Deadline, I was like, okay, this sounds like a cool little crazy comedy. But I found out that this is a true story. Pablo Escobar. Pablo Escobar. During yes. a drug run from Colombia, a narcotics officer turned smuggler dumped 40 kilos of cocaine over the Chattanooga. Is it Chattanooga? I don't fucking know. Chattahoochee? Chattahoochee. I'm a hoochie yeah. national forest. Try a hoochie. Someone's a hoochie. Where the entire oh, no. hull was devoured by a bear. The body was later found by authorities who declared the cause of death as perhaps the single biggest drug overdose recorded in history. Naturally, the locals dubbed him Pablo Escobar and his body was stuffed before being turned into a morbid tourist attraction. 
This is a true story that's going to be done by Elizabeth Banks and who's going to produce this? Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. What is it? I've known about this shit for a while and I love this story because there's a funny quote. I think the ranger that found him and they figured out that he had eaten the cocaine and he's like, for maybe about the three to five minutes, this thing was still alive when it ate some of the cocaine. It was the absolute apex predator <laughs> on North America. I love that quote where this thing was Can you imagine? the the predator well that's what we're gonna see probably yeah so yeah so, so are we gonna get like a oh hangover God. style uh forest romp with uh, smoky the bear and yogi also yes. uh, and they accidentally yeah. lose boo-boo and they gotta go find him yeah and cocaine bears just like frazzing out like picnic basket yeah. that's Ooh, right it's a boatload of cocaine yeah Damn. can yeah. you imagine like his face after he ate all that like fucking Oh, I, I, it, Tony Montagna. Yeah, it, he it, probably it, knocked it, about four or five trees down for sure. That's what I'm saying. Probably and like he, ripped them out of their roots and then like just <laughs> yeah. Just, any just, animal uh, within just, the vicinity yeah, just, is just shreds. Yeah, craziness, craziness. Yeah, so that's a funny story. Okay, that's great. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Can you imagine if like coming up to you, dude? I totally just ripped a pig apart back there and like <laughs> blood every. Oh. <laughs> I, just, I just went skiing. It was, it was, it was totally red, man. Totally red. I wonder if the stuffed bear has like coke on his nose and stuff. That'd be, be better. Cool. Yeah, be better. Oh. If he doesn't, it's a, it's a crime and a machine gun. Yeah, exactly. Everything. Yeah, <laughs> straight Scarface. Oh. We were having too much fun. Oh Christ, that bear. Mm. Good for Elizabeth Banks. I uh, wanted to talk about this, and I wanted to get your take on this. And we're going from a bear to something pretty. Uh, uh, serious, kind of. Uh, Turner Classic Movies is taking on the cancel culture subject in regards to films. So on March 4th, Turner Classic Movies unveiled its newest series, Reframed, Classic Films in the Rearview Mirror. The month-long program will feature lineups of classic movies preceded by a roundtable discussion anchored by movie, the Turner Classic Movies' five hosts, and they named the hosts, um, I don't recognize any of them. The rearview mirror conversations will start with Gone with the Wind, followed by 17 additional titles ranging from Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and Breakfast Tiffany's to The Searchers and Psycho. So I wanted to get your guys' take on this. I wanted to get your take on, is this something that should be done? I looked at it and I said, this is really, really interesting. Um, they are not just movies from a racial standpoint, but... There are also movies that have to do with LGBTQ individuals um, and also sexist scenes that are in films. Uh, movies like Tarzan, uh, My Fair Lady, The Children's Hour, Swing Time, Stagecoach, Sinbad, The Sailor from 1947. Movies like The Jazz Singer 1927. So these are all movies that are considered great films in history, even though during the time they were out, there were horrific things going on. Um, so what's your guys' take on this? I don't, I see this as something that, that I actually would want to see. I would want to see a round table discussion pre and post oh, uh, to describe what the situations in the world war or in this country when these films were big and when they were out. I agree with you, Raj. I think it's a good idea. I think, uh, there needs to be, I mean, there may need to be more to do, but at least this is something that. It looks like the right step. It looks like the right way to address some things. 
and at least if people are willing to actually get educated about things a lot of people are just not willing to you know step up and take the moments to be educated about why certain things are now they're just so upset that certain things are getting quote canceled mm-hmm. instead of being held accountable for what they're showing and depicting so yeah i really i agree with you. and gone with the wind was just recently taken away from hbo max's catalog and i think turner classic movies jumped on that and said hey Instead of taking away this film, let's talk about why this film was problematic now, why, why the time was problematic. And it, they are art. For them to describe why the art has these problems, I think, is a good idea. King Tom, go ahead. You were going to say something. I think you guys are absolutely right. Education is a huge part of it. And that's one of the reasons to keep them around, but also keep them you know, bookended with discussions about why these movies were the way they were for the past what 120 years for as long as we've had motion pictures that's been one of the biggest ways that we have we as a people have connected with each other (laughs) and the language in movies has inspired people for good and for bad and knowing why in the past movies were the way they were it can help us understand that past but we also have to be aware of the dangers within and not just only the meaning and messages of movies but movie techniques also there are some Mm -hmm. very objectionable movies that are utterly groundbreaking um birth of a nation by w griffith was one of the most racist movies ever Mm. made and even people of that time knew it was racist and knew it was wrong but at the same there are so many uh techniques i learned in college and i'm blanking on now that were pioneered in that film. Hell, the throne room scene at the end of Star Wars is directly influenced by a Nazi propaganda movie. Yeah. Um, and so, it, as long as... It, so, filmmakers for generations have been using these techniques, have been using this imagery. And if you know where they come from, that can add a lot to your appreciation and your knowledge of film. But it has to be done, you know, you can't just leave it out there for people to watch. You have to say, the world was different back then. This is wrong today, and it was wrong then, but not not everyone treated it like it was. Exactly. And before I get Eric and Boo's take, let me read you the quote that Turner Classic Movies put up. It says, all these films were made between the dawn of the talkie era and the 1960s. When America began long deferred reckoning with the ugly realities on which our nation was built, a history that includes slavery and institutionalized white supremacy, native genocide, xenophobic exploitation and and exclusion, demonization of disability, the persecution of LGBTQ individuals and persistent gender inequity. So that's their quote. And that's what they're going to dive into. I do think education is important. You know, I saw an interesting post with somebody. They were saying, you know, it's rather than think about like cancel culture, think about uh, consequence culture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now I'll admit that that sometimes I think that there's a line that is very difficult to walk. Um, but, you know, people just, for example, like getting up in arms about the whole Dr. Seuss books not certain books not being published anymore right nobody chased them down they decided to do this and announced it it wasn't there people have put the cart before the horse and like 
t- Pepe Le Pew, that being that sort of thing, yeah. dude, I I thought he was gross when I was young. <laughs> he I'm was. like, that's not cool. Him, you know, dragging these chicks against their will. And but if you forget, times weren't always like they are. Right. And you have to know that and see that and think about like the progress that humanity's made in general because what you're seeing is a snapshot of in time and you're not seeing something that's typically of the movies are talking about that's grossly fabricated this is what life looked like and to realize how not cool it was now i think is important mm-hmm. and you're not glorifying the way things were by continuing to watch movies like this you're recognizing the the problematic nature of them and the whole not knowing history you, you know being doomed to repeat it yeah. sort of thing this is this is one of the things this is education this is how you avoid it and i don't know man it's what's crazy is they've been getting trolled and saying by you making them well, by you putting them on this list, you're canceling them instantly. Mm-hmm. So their whole objective was like, we're, we don't want to censor anything. Uh, we want to talk about why these movies were t- completely against censoring, uh, completely against canceling this thing. But people are coming and hitting him up while well, you're canceling them by just putting them on this cancel list. So it's like a no win situation. Well, well, and sometimes cancel culture is very tightly related to outrage culture. Yes. You because and listen. I'm not saying that this is all people who are just dying to be mad about something. Okay, I am not saying that one bit. But I personally know, locally, people who can't wait to pick a fight, can't wait to find something to be mad about, analyze everything you say and be like, well, the way you said the was, you you know what I mean? And I deal with that, like, with my job. Right. Les did that to me earlier when he did the the, the thing on me. (laughs) You know what I mean? People yeah. can't, some people can't wait to be pissed. And, <laughs> and, and it's, I don't know. I understand why people can get upset over the, the notion that doing this is instantly adding fuel to the fire against some of these films. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's, you got to face the realities of the world. That's just what you have to do. And not having these movies on HBO Max doesn't make them not exist anymore. Exactly. Uh, right. It's exactly right. But anyway, that's. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you guys. Yeah. Education is extraordinarily important. These things aren't just going to go away. They are a thing. They do exist. They are important. My, my thing is I, I, I'm blanking on what movie it is and what streaming service it was, but they were, they showed a movie that they probably took it down after a while, but they, they showed a movie that was potentially, uh, what is it? Offensive to people. And they actually displayed just like, you know, HBO does where it says, yeah, there's adult content, there's nudity, there's violence. And then they said there's racism. And I think something else right after it. And I thought that was genius because mm. Not not that there isn't a difference between racism and and just, you know, different kinds of persecution and just 
uh, offensiveness in movies compared to violence and things like that. But if it's something that you don't want to see or don't think you should al- allow your children or anyone else around you to see, then it should be treated the same way as violence or adult content or foul language or something like that. And yeah, also put, and put a thing that says, yeah, this this is an old movie. Times are different. You know, just it, it, there's a there's always disclaimers to to everything. So why do, why can't these they, movies have a disclaimer? They, they do, well, they do. Disney Plus has started to do that. I think okay, so yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I saw that and I was like, that's genius mm-hmm. because it it covers Disney Plus's ass. We understand that these movies are offensive. We get it. Here, here's your warning. Your choice. It's your choice to watch this after after this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I think it I think it comes down to education as well as people being aware of what they're watching and how things have progressed and and what they what they're willing to see. Because if you're not willing to see it, I completely understand. Don't watch it then, right? Because this is something you know. This is something that is there. I might want to see it for historical purposes, or you know, there's plenty of offensive movies that that I. I'd love to watch, but I know that they are awful in nature. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's just I I don't know. Yeah, it's tough, and and that's the other thing is that they're just not gonna go away. This isn't something where you know it's just stricken from history. No, somebody's gonna watch it at some point. So I think we should get in front of the movie, essentially, literally and figuratively, of putting a warning, putting the information out there saying this is what you're gonna see or be warned mm-hmm. here you go yeah. if you don't want to see it don't watch it and i think you're gonna get a lot of that mm-hmm. and like well, you said they're not going away out of these 18 films i guarantee you 10 of these movies are considered 10, top top 10 100 of the top 100 exactly. of all time it, well, uh, imp- i think it's the criterion collection or something like that mm-hmm. they're they're all in on that mm-hmm. and people people have a right to choose that's one of the tenets of like free will, mm-hmm. if 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 you will, and like there was a thing today that I saw where certain classic Disney movies have been removed from the children's profiles in Disney, just meaning that the there's an age limit associated with those profiles, and the movies are still there. Mm-hmm. But it's it, what I feel like that does is people are getting bent out of shape. Like it means that they're no longer going to have Peter Pan on there or no longer have the original Dumbo, you know, animated movie and all this stuff. No, they're still there, but it gives parents the ability to monitor what their kids see and watch it with them and explain to them when questions pop up that, you know, what, what could possibly be the problem in Dumbo? Well, it's the drunk crows that are supposed to symbolize black people that's what the problem with that is. And by doing this, you know, it gives the parents the ability to like take ownership of that. And, you know, and a lot of times, man, to kids, kids are not going to make the same deal out of things that adults might. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. They, they, they m- m- might not notice it. I remember there was a thing where, there was a commercial, a serial commercial that aired during the Super Bowl where there was a, a, a white mom and a black dad, right? Yeah. And people, there were people who were flipped out about it. And I saw this thing and I don't know if it was, it was, it was a news channel or news show. 
where they show kids this and explain to them, yeah, people, people, some people were offended by this. And they watched it and none of the kids could figure out why. That's really cool. And when then they told them to watch the disappointment in these kids' faces, basically, are you fucking kidding me right now <laughs> know, that right? this bothers people? Why? And I think that there's some beauty in that because it proves that certain behaviors are learned mm-hmm. and taught, not, not instinctual. Right. And I think that's, that's another thing to remember. You know, listen, kids, this nation was founded in ways that are completely unacceptable now. And I don't know, man. I just, I feel I think- like there's a, there's room for parents to make that decision too. Uh, to teach, you know, teach children well. Right. And one of the things is letting them know the transgressions that have been dealt upon people. Anyway. There's, there's also a political slash societal side of this where there are groups that don't want to focus on what's wrong with the product itself. They don't want to focus on how movies or books depict people of color or how they say we should treat each other. Instead, they treat it as this is our culture under attack. And mm-hmm. Eric has said this before. It's not about the thing, but it's about the thing. <laughs> yeah. Where they, they're deflecting it and trying to make it about something else while totally ignoring everything that's going on. And, you yeah. know, back 15, almost 20 years ago now, when uh, we were debating whether or not we should invade Iraq, that debate got sidetracked because a bunch of politicians decided, well, we shouldn't call them French fries anymore. We should start calling them freedom, freedom fries. fries. It's the same exact thing like that. It's, yep. you know, trying to deflect from the right things that society should be doing. You know, what we mentioned before Dr. Seuss, it's his family deciding there's something wrong in these books. And they're ignoring that it's the family. They're saying, oh, society is saying Dr. Seuss. Is. Exactly. When it has nothing to do with it. Yeah, great point. Well, that was a great discussion, man. I'm glad we talked about it here. That's uh, I, and I'm definitely going to try to watch a couple of these, especially the roundtables. And, and I'm sure that the hosts that they've picked are pretty diverse in their backgrounds. I, I would hope so. I would hope. Yeah, so. they better be. Yeah, yeah. what the heck? Like, what's yeah. the point? You know. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Let's jump into our final segment, which is the series finale of WandaVision, episode nine. Now, I will start by saying that I absolutely enjoyed this episode, loved this episode. I know that people were upset because whatever theories were out there in their heads or theories that were out there with other people's heads all over the internet didn't come to fruition. Sorry, you struck out, folks. Not there really. was a really good article I read. It was by Collider Steven Wettenberg, and his whole thing was people just were so disappointed because whatever they had in their head cannon didn't happen. Now, if you, if you just forget about that and you look at the series in itself, it was an absolute phenomenal show and a phenomenal series. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, let's get into everybody's opinion on this. Um, Eric, what'd you think of this I, episode? I loved it, man. My wife and I were floored. We watched it together and um, I, I, I loved everything he did with it. And one of the things that we talked about last week is, you know, what's going to happen to those kids? Yeah. I saw, yeah. They 
handled that with such class. Mm-hmm. The way it was done was you couldn't have done it better. I don't think. I just don't think you could have. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm not. I don't know the past storylines in the comics that you know played out here. But man not knowing what was going to happen and it coming out of left field and throwing me for that's what made it rule for me like being able to speculate's fun but having a swing and a miss dude that's killer that's really cool because that means i was caught off guard and all that stuff i loved it loved it loved it so many people were so upset about the ralph aspect of it the ralph, <laughs> I, ralph thought it was, I thought it was hilarious ralph, I, thought, yeah, I thought so too yeah, the Ralph Boner. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was like, hey, we're just going to fuck with you a little bit. And we did it and it worked. And I didn't oh, put it together till like Monday or Tuesday that that was the Ralph Agatha was talking about the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't that crazy? That, that's uh, Agatha's uh, husband. King Tom, what's your take on the series finale? Yeah, I, like Eric said, I absolutely loved it. It wasn't ex- you know I, I was expecting the astrophysicists to be someone i was <laughs> wondering right. how quicksilver from the x-men was going to make his way over here i'm waiting for mutants i'm waiting for magneto you know i didn't get any of that but it was fine because the story and the action were good there was a ton of heart with the kids and with vision with the people there and it does such a great job you know, it's 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 tough because it has to tell its own story while setting up whatever's next. It told a great story, and then what do we have from this? We have Wanda as someone on par with the Sorcerer Supreme. We have Spectrum possibly leading into Secret Invasion. Um, you know, you have White Vision with Vision's memories out there. You have the possibility of the kids. And I don't, excuse me, I don't think this is where they're going to go with it. But it's possible that Agatha is still out there because she kind of reminded me of Mordo from Doctor Strange. Mm. And I don't know if they're going to be bringing him back for uh, Multiverse of Madness, but his whole thing was magic should not be used to change the natural order of things. Mm -hmm. And with the way she wanted to rein in Wanda's chaos magic, yeah, she wanted that for herself, but was she also kind of along his lines of thinking. And I, I don't know if Les is thinking what, I, what I'm thinking with this, or because I thought Mordo, um, and I, I, I suck because I can never say the actor's name right, but I thought... Ch- uh, Chiwi Teal in Geo 4? Yes, he was yeah. so good in that, and he was such a good... You know, he wasn't a villain in the original Doctor Strange, but just the way they set him up. I, I want more of that. And I think she is going to come back, because the way that Wanda talk to her at the end it's like i'll definitely see you again Agatha. right so yeah i definitely i think that and by the way that that uh, the article was not from who i said it was it was by matt goldberg and it and this is the headline was wandavision failed to deliver the things that were never promised to me which i thought it was genius yeah i thought it was genius a great article if you check it out it's on uh, uh collider by the way uh Boo, what, what's your take on this? Yeah, no, I love the episode. All in all, the series was great. Uh, from episode one to the finale, awesome. I know some people couldn't get past the first couple episodes. I thought it was I did, I did fantastic from the beginning. I was laughing the entire time, the whole show. The way it made me laugh to make me feel 
I could feel the cringe all the way to just uneasy, just fantastically done. Everybody in it was great. Um, the finale I thought was action packed. Uh, it was, uh, what is it? The, how it mixes. You don't want things to happen, but then you also need resolution where you're like, well, this can't continue guys. You know, she, you know, Wanda realizes that what she's done she almost has like a like a like a waking up moment where she's like shit this is horrible yeah it can't go on it can't go on yeah she's like uh if she goes from this is our place we need it to i can't do this anymore this is what i'm doing to people is awful Mm -hmm. how they go from that to you know they're you know you're happy at what she's doing and then you know what it means to the kids and what's going to happen to them that goodbye scene oh in the bed oh, oh horrible. eric eric nailed it it was so classy how they did it yes. remember i was like there's no way they're killing kids on this show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they didn't no and they didn't no essentially no no so yeah so just and how you know what is it? i heard that somebody complained how long it took for essentially the the hex to go away for it to all just can to go back into uh her and normality yeah normality and i was like well no it had to take that long because there's just so much there you know the, the the interaction that that wanda and vision have towards the end you're just like damn oh, yeah and then my favorite part the after credit scenes or mid credit scenes progress yep thank you yeah it wasn't just a joke no progress thank you that's what i need doesn't have to be anything big you don't have to say anything show too many people i don't give a damn just show me some progress that's what i mean by progress mm-hmm. i was very happy at that and did you pick up on the shining tributes there no some shining tribute so the the drone shot of going into the lake um was if you look at the split screen between the shinings intro and that shot it's like dead on uh. and not only that the Shining has a lot of scenes, and Kubrick did this on purpose. If you watch the film, there's windows in rooms that shouldn't be there. Meaning, there's, there's windows where you can see the outside, right? But if you turn the corner... and you it's, look, a, it's another hallway. It's another room. Uh, there's, no, there's no windows. And Kubrick did that to confuse the viewer. So they did this in that last scene. If you, when, she, when Wanda gets up and goes into the room, before she sees... Before you see her meditating and reading, you see a window that's looking into the lake, another part of lake in like mm. the forest. But that's exactly where Wanda is doing her reading. So it leads into another room that doesn't have anything there. Ah. So I read that they, it was kind of like an homage to them. Yeah, uh, she's probably just manifesting shit now. Yeah. Willy nilly. Which is, which is super cool. I know. I loved it. Both uh, cut scenes. They were really cool. Less, what's, what's, uh, what, what do you say about you guys all nailed it for me, in all honesty. Uh, I will say this. The show also made it reflect back on viewers, too. Uh, when Darcy says, hey, I'm invested in this, you know, at, at one point, her and Jimmy Woo sit down, like, you know, like, we would sit down to watch something. They, like, both yeah. sit down and, like, get together, you know, to watch, you know, as if someone's getting together to watch an episode of Grey's Anatomy or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and you can feel Except that. good. They- <laughs> I remember, I remember one time I talked shit on Grey's Anatomy oh, and Earth, like, in her like tenth episode, oh, and the, no. the girls at work just annihilated me. Like you don't know how good that damn show is. You've only seen like three episodes. How, <laughs> how dare you talk shit on that show? 
It's like, I'm no, sorry. See, I, I'm didn't sorry. Bring, I did not bring up Grey's Anatomy, everybody, just for that. <laughs> sorry. But you all understand what I'm talking about. Yes. It, and I mean, and I get it. Yes. Did I have my own speculations and theories? You know, the, uh, a big, big. Yeah, it's a big deal when Evan Peters is standing there and you're going, oh, sh- oh, sh- yeah, that's Quicksilver. Yeah, of course. Yes. Is he Ralph Boner? Yes. yes, it is, he is. Ralph, the husband who's always just hanging around or that we don't really see until we finally do see Ralph. Yes, he's all of that. And even if it doesn't like. If none of your stuff comes true, just enjoy the ride. Like, come on now. We're having fun with this. Like, it was fantastic. In this time and what we're still dealing with, you got to understand, people, the weekly release format was great, too. It gave everybody plenty to look forward to. It gave everybody something to uh, enjoy and, and to fill with all kinds of speculations. This is exactly what would happen if we went back to school, you know, the next day after watching this and we're all at the lunch table talking. So, I mean, I, I even went so far as to speculate that Darcy could come out of the hex with powers like uh, Firestar. That's right. That, that was me. I'm like, dude, that would be great. We get a Firestar. This would be awesome. We don't, you know, and, and we still don't know. We didn't see what happened to her. You know, she, we know that she helped shut down uh, Hayward, but it was just fun. Come on, everybody. That's so not only fun. that. I thought that that um, Ultron was going to be in it because I was on. Um, and I never said this on the uh, on the podcast, but I was on Google and looking up the cast, and and I think it was on IMDb or Google Entertainment or whatever it was. They listed James Spader as one of the actors for WandaVision, and I was like, "Well, shit, maybe you know he's, he's going to do voiceover work, and Ultron's going to be coming back, or or you know, or something like that." So I was I was dead set that uh, we're going we're going to see Ultron in that last. In the last uh, episode, and that didn't happen. But that didn't take away how great everything was. It was fantastic. Did you guys? Let's go back to some scenes here. Did you guys? Uh, there's a theory out there that that Mr. Boner was the um, guy in witness protection. Was the the guy that they they were looking for? You know that. Uh, oh, that, that they lost for. contact with. Right, right. Hmm. They lost contact with that. He was he was the guy. Let me read Rob's email here. We got an email, a couple of emails. This one from OG Rob. Hey guys, asking for a friend. What happened to White Vision at the end of WandaVision? Any ideas where we might see him next? Eric Thondar the Barbarian was a fantastic cartoon. Thanks for giving it props. It deserves a couple weeks back. Stay safe. Getting my first vaccine dose. So I'm only a couple weeks away from hitting a rave. (laughs) If you know OG Rob, he's definitely not a raver. That's for sure. Um, later, OG Rob. Well, OG Rob, I'm so happy that you're getting your first dose. Um, stay healthy, and thank you for this email. My question is goes along the lines a little bit of, of White Vision. We talked on our breakdown episode, in our reaction episode also, that my question was to you, Les, how did he get the memories? How did White Vision get his memories? Um, and I, some people are saying that regular vision gave it to him but regular vision didn't have memories if you guys all remember he was a blank slate so did he unlock no yeah go ahead tom wanted uh, revision didn't have memories less 
No, no. Darcy brought him up to speed and got his, and got his memories back. No, dude, he had exact details of what happened. Darcy didn't give him, didn't click, uh, put a for USB. So in you're his, saying his that 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 whole when Vision touched him, that whole thing just that, was no. He unlocked the capabilities yeah. to to bring his memories back. He said something about how White Vision, the memories are there when uh-huh. they're in the the library scene. The memories are there, but they're locked away. And he goes, oh, "May I?" That, there and it he is. Touches him and the whatever it is, right? Glows because Vision didn't have any of those. He was a clean right. slate. That's why right. he was so freaked okay. out. Yeah. Um. What do you think though? Where is he? And why didn't we Where, see him at the cabin? He is wherever uh, Paul Bellamy Bettany wants him to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, hold on. Hey guys, do you hear an echo when I talk? No. 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 Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's right. Uh, I mean, he probably could have just gone off to like some mountain, you know, mountainy area and just like he's in a cave and just, you know, working on becoming vision. So but, at the end of the day, he pretty much becomes vision. So when we see him, hopefully in, in uh, Multiverse of Madness, if we see him, will he be the vision that we know or will he still be white vision? He's more than likely still going to be white vision. But he's going to have that he's going to have enough in, as yeah, he's going at and and you know what the truth is, is vision was still trying to learn to how to be able to function in society before he got taken out. That's too. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wasn't really, you know, he was still trying to learn how to cook. He was trying to learn how to do other things and just, you know, be able to pass in right. humanity. So his development wasn't I mean, it was a lot more advanced, but here we are, you know, he's definitely going to be catching up. So, so I can't wait to see the moment where, where Wanda sees him again and he's actually vision like his, yeah, he's not trying to crush her skull. Right. And she's going to be obviously (laughs) freaked out. Um, I wish vision would have gave her the heads up, you know, like, Hey, he's out there and I, he's going to be cool. So there was a lot going on and, and you know, we can't overlook this other thing too, about the show. She was this is dealing with trauma and this is probably one of the better way to illustrate how deep down people spiral when they have issues to deal with, you know, and how far down they go. And, and she closed off herself from the world. She just happened to close off a a small town with her. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people that's, you know, depression and all that stuff. You just don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to go anywhere. You may want to just imagine your perfect life. And the aspect of grieving, the aspect of grieving, how tough it is to grieve. Right. So you have that, too. And it's hard to shake some things, Mm -hmm. especially when things happen in a rapid succession. You know, things come at you and you look like you look up and you're just like, dude, I can't get out of this. Like, what the heck? You know, and even with all the power in the world, she's obviously now one of the top four most powerful people in the Marvel Universe. Did you say what the heck or the heck? (laughs) Continue. For her to come out of this and start learning and rebuilding herself back, it's going to be awesome. That's going to be so good. It's going to be so freaking good. Email from Avery. Hey, Sith listeners. Hope you all doing well and staying healthy out there. Just watch WandaVision's finale, and boy, was it bittersweet. Dating was very emotional and tugged at a lot of memories with dealing with grief and saying goodbye, all while being brilliantly acted by Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. Definitely felt satisfied with how everything wrapped up, but still sad knowing we're not going to get a season two. Me too, buddy. Now, after seeing all the post credit scenes here, my question, what 
Disney Plus show or MCU movie do you think we'll see Monica Rambeau again and White Vision? Though a certain mystical villain Mephisto didn't show up at the end of it, do you think he can still make an appearance in the Multiverse of Madness? I can't wait to hear your thoughts and keep up the great work. Banter on every host of Battles and Banter podcast. We kind of hit on some points, but I think we're going to definitely see White Vision and Multiverse of Madness, I mean, and Monica Rambeau as well. I think we're going to see both. Anyway, I think if they do anything with uh, Secret Invasion, I think you're going to see Rambeau in that as well. Maybe even Captain Marvel 2 from that. And even Captain Marvel 2. Yeah, I, I, I swear to God, I thought we were going to see... Have they started shooting that yet or no? Danvers I mean, in this one, man. No, I, no, they, so. I don't think so. No. I don't, I don't think we'll see, see her in anything, any of the next three Marvel movies. Um, Black Widow, Eternals, no. or Shang-Chi, just because they were finished before WandaVision. But right. I think definitely after that. Maybe some cutscenes. If they, went, Maybe, if they yeah. go back and, you know. Reshoot, something like that. Right, right. But we all think we're going to see White Vision in the next Doctor Strange, correct? It could be that. I, I could see him even being in Captain Marvel 2. He, he, uh, so at some point, I think Ultron dismantles him. Mm-hmm. Like he catches, like somehow, some way. But that would have to mean Ultron is in the net, is still out there He's somewhere. Still out there, right. And can come back and handle that. But also, uh, he messes around in space a little bit, I, I think. Doesn't Vision end up like... Right, King Tom? He ends up with the Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's in the future. I know that. Right. Or right, a right. version of him. Yeah. Yeah. This might be a stupid question. Is Vision their version? Not not saying like the exact version, but their version of Martian Manhunter. Mm, no, nothing no. like that? No. Okay. Okay. There's a rumor Not that really. he's supposed to appear in Armor Wars with um, uh, War Rhodey? Machine. Yeah. War Machine? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Where he teaches him or, you know, shows him or something. I don't know. So, yeah. So, there, there's that rumor. But Armor Wars hasn't really started or been anything and it, or has, hasn't been mentioned in anything. So, mm. rumor. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, we all loved it. I want to go back and rewatch it again. Very excited for next week for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Now that I know U.S. agents in it, um, I totally missed that. And I went back and watched the preview and, yep, the dude running in. That would be U.S. agent. Uh, That's going to be really, really cool. I can't wait for that. And I know some people are like, it's going to be hard going from WandaVision to back to the formula that is, you know, the action-packed Marvel. I think this is going to be great. I think it's going to be funny, man. I have a feeling it's going to be really funny. And witty. It's going to be a buddy cop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Can't wait. All right, guys. I think that wraps up our episode for today. We're 10 away from 250. Unbelievable, huh? Ooh. My goodness. I think next we're going to have the man, the myth, the legend, Steel Saunders, the colonel, come in. And we're going to have Chris Fresh come in very soon, by the way. Okay. Yeah. And he wants to talk some WandaVision. So um, we will. We will definitely talk with Mr. Fresh. Mr. Carlos Abu Arguello, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Sith List Boo. Boo, are we going to get some uh, some not boos? I mean, people are asking. Are they? No, they're not. not but no. I was just asking if we are going <laughs> to. I'm asking. You're asking. Come on, you, man. You check out every time. Well, hey, Steel's going to be on. You have to have one for Steel. I'll, I'll, yes. I'll, have, one, I'll have one for Steel, definitely. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's, go with, let's go with that. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Mr. King Tom Chansky, King of All Pods. 
number one fan of the band Weezer. You can find me uh, sleeping in this Friday for the last time before we get our 100 Disney Plus shows a year, making me get up early every damn Friday for the rest of my life and not complaining about it. Uh, or Tom <laughs> Chansky so, on Twitter. You. And Patreon shows for Blue Harvest, The Bad Motivators, and Steel Wars. Thank you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is We have one week off. Yeah. Um, so back to yeah, the grind. I'm definitely waking up one hour later at least because <laughs> Malik wakes me up. Mr. Les Gonzalez, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, also sleeping in on a Friday morning <laughs> before we start doing our breakdowns and uh, reaction videos for Falcon and Winter Soldier on YouTube. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at lessonmore 78 Yeah, and Les and I are going to be on Kessel Run Transmission in studio on Friday to talk some Star Wars and try to settle some stuff, you know, straighten these guys out about the old trilogy. Not that they don't like the old trilogy, just they don't just give the old trilogy, the original trilogy, as much respect as oh, yeah, it that was a That was a bit of a discussion, wasn't it? Yeah, we all were talking yeah, the other yeah. night. Yeah. And uh, I was a little disappointed in those guys. So we're going to set them straight on Friday. Mr. Eric Struthers, where can people find you? You know, check out my other podcast, The Bad Motivators. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and on Twitch at Eric Struthers. El Hombre. You can find Hi. me. At, <laughs> you can find me at The Sith List. And check us out again, please, on YouTube and all that great stuff. We really appreciate you guys listening and supporting us. And we can't wait to uh, be in your ear holes next week on episode number 241 of The Sith List.
So it's into the dark like a butt joke. Funny. Into the chocolate starfish. Oh, no. Well, guys, we can say whatever we want now because nobody's <laughs> listening. 